Welcome to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We want to be a place where you can own your faith and take next steps in your relationship with Jesus. Maybe your next step is to seek out a community and join a movement group. Maybe it's supporting movement financially for the first time or using your gifts on a volunteer team. Whatever God is calling you to do, our prayer is that you will step out in faith and let Him lead you. For more information about your next step, please visit movementcolumbus.com. Good morning. I am so happy that you guys are here. Hey, quick announcement before we get started. Um, I've been told I don't give enough people time to turn in their Bibles, so we are in Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20. Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20. People are like, oh, and then Trig's off to the races. We have a brand new team that I am so excited about called our Movement Church Prayer Team that are, we are launching this summer. I mean, this summer, right now, this Sunday. And uh, prayer is obviously something that has been a huge part of Movement Church. Prayer is the beginning steps that Pastor Mark, our lead pastor, uh, uh, put into motion before he even planted this church 10 years ago. Prayer is the reason that we're all here today. Prayer is the reason for so many of the things that God has given us in our life, and we believe in the power of prayer. And so we thought, how can we make it a programmatic part of our Sunday mornings where we create a culture of a praying church? You know, we, if we're all honest, we, we all don't pray enough, and so we want to provide an opportunity. We're going to have our prayer team every single Sunday morning at the back left of our auditorium. There's a table back there. We're eventually going to get a sign that will hang down from those curtains that will say, need prayer. And if at any point in the worship service, after the message, when we're going back into a time of worship or even after worship is over and the service is over and people are flooding off, out those doors. There will be prayer team members back there that want to pray for you, want to pray with you, want to hear from you. So if the spirit leads, please, please, please utilize that resource. We would love to pray and to care for you. All right, we're going to be in Matthew 28. We're starting a new series called Healthy Things Multiply. Healthy Things Multiply. You know, healthy and mature organisms, they multiply, and healthy and spiritual, uh, healthy believers multiply. And so this series, we're going to talk about how healthy things multiply within the church, that healthy churches multiply, but for healthy churches to multiply, we need healthy small groups to multiply. For healthy small groups to multiply, we need healthy leaders to multiply. But all of those things are dependent on healthy disciples making and multiplying other disciples. And that's our big idea for today. (laughs) Healthy disciples multiply. And for that, we're going to turn to Matthew 28. You guys have probably heard of this passage. It's called the Great Commission. And I love the introduction that Matthew gives us to this passage. Verse 16 says this. Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him. But some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, these are the last words of Jesus, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go, 
Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age." Well, if we want to know what healthy discipleship looks like, or we want to understand how a disciple is multiplied, we kind of have to ask two questions, right? First, what is a disciple? And second, how is a disciple multiplied, or how is a disciple made? And see, there's this idea in the Christian church today that it is one thing to be a Christian and another thing to be a disciple, that discipleship or to be a disciple maker is some tier two Christianity, something that you graduate into. And when we believe this, we create this false dichotomy that never exists in the scriptures that Jesus doesn't talk about. Because to Jesus, if you are a believer in him, then you are a disciple. And if you are a disciple, then you are called to go and make disciples. Now, I find the circumstances of this passage absolutely stunning because at the beginning, like Matthew told us, the disciples are here on the mount, but it's quite remarkable how they got here. If you were to turn back two chapters in your Bible, you'd read in Matthew chapter 26, Jesus tell his disciples for the umpteenth time, I need to die, and they do not understand. I need to die for your sins. I need to be raised again for new life. But this time he adds an extra detail, and he says, when I do rise go meet me in Galilee. In other words, I'm going to die. Don't worry. I'm coming back to life. And when I do, meet me in Galilee. And what do you know? On the night of his crucifixion, Peter denies him, Judas betrays him, and all of the disciples desert him. I mean, if I'm Jesus, I'm going like, come on, how many times do I got to tell these guys? And he tells them over and over and over again that this is what he's going to do. And the only one that is faithful to it is Jesus himself. Because he does die that death. He does get buried. And he does raise from the grave. And then he heads off to Galilee. But the disciples are nowhere to be found. And that's why we also see that a group of women that Jesus was really close to in his ministry, they come to the tomb looking for Jesus because they're just as faithless as the disciples. And what do you know? An angel is there. The tomb is open. And they're frightened. And they go, where's Jesus? And the angel says, don't you know? He's not here. He's risen. And then tenderly, he turns to them and he goes, tell the disciples. Jesus is going to meet him in Galilee. And so they run back and they tell the disciples, and I can only imagine the disciples look on their face when these women approach them and say, hey, Jesus has told you a few times, meet him in Galilee. And as I was reading this this week, I couldn't help but think of the times that my wife has had to tell me something four or five times before it gets through my thick skull, and she's yelling amen from the back, right? And the disciples, they go to Galilee, and then the detail that we're given is just incredible because in verse 17, the disciples see Jesus, and rightfully so, they bow down in worship, but then Matthew adds one more detail. But some of them doubted. What? These are the disciples that Jesus is choosing to change 
the world and they see in the flesh the same man, the best friend that they had walked with for three years. And some of them still doubted. And can I tell you, there's many of us in this room who are disciples of Jesus and we have doubts too. And that does not disqualify you from discipleship because Jesus picks these dudes to go back to and say, I'm gonna make you disciples who make disciples of all nations. And he starts with these 11 and we're all sitting here today because of them. Wow. Isn't that amazing? And yet some of them doubted. I don't care who you are or what you have done, you can be a disciple of Jesus. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have a seminary degree. You don't have to have all of your questions and doubts figured out. You can be a disciple of Jesus. And maybe you're here and you're not a disciple of Jesus. And you think there is no possible way that you would believe in Jesus unless you physically saw him. Well, guess what? Even if you did, you'd be just as fickle as the disciples and you would doubt too. We need the Holy Spirit to come into our life to bring our hearts back to life so that we can truly follow Jesus. (laughs) And you know what? As I was reading this this week too, I had to come to grips with the fact that the call to discipleship is also the call that Jesus actually believes that you can become like him. Do you know that? That Jesus actually believes that you can become like him. That he believes in you far more than you even believe in yourself. And so anybody can be a disciple. Anybody can follow Jesus. But then we have to ask the question, well, what do disciples do? Well, if you look down at verse 20, Jesus gives us a pretty clear description. He says, teach these new disciples to do what? To obey all the commands that I've given you. So what's a disciple do? A disciple loves God. But how do they love God? They love God by obeying God. And do you see how this reciprocal relationship works, right? Jesus says, go make disciples, teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. But what is one of the commands of Jesus? To go and make disciples. And so then there's disciples that make disciples that make more disciples. But Jesus then says, teach them to obey all of the commands that I have given you. And I don't know about you, but then I go, oh, that's kind of overwhelming. Like, I I, I know a few of the commands of Jesus, but I don't know all of the commands of Jesus. Uh, Who here in college uh, loves spark notes? (laughs) Only a few honest ones, because there's a lot more than that, right? I love spark notes. I love spark notes, probably more than I should. But Sparknotes was great, right? For those of you that don't know Sparknotes, it's like if I had this book report that I had to do or there's this test on this book and I only made it to chapter three and there's 26 chapters in the books and the test is on Friday and tonight's Thursday night, I would go to Sparknotes and I would learn as much as I could about that book and then, you know, 
the question would be like, in chapter seven, when Annie asked Johnny, and you'd be like, oh no. And then, you know, you'd be like, you got me. And, uh, you know, the question was never like, summarize the book, please, right? I'd be like, I got that. But Jesus gives us the spark notes of this. It's pretty amazing. In Matthew's gospel, in chapter 22, He says all of the commands of God are summed up in this. And what is he says? You are to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. And the second commandment is just as great as this. You are to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus sums up the entire law and the prophets and he says, these are the things that I want you to know. These are the spark notes. Love God with everything you have. Love God with your intellect, your mind. Love God with your emotions. Love God with everything in your being. And then teach others to love me. Do you love God? Is following Jesus the passion of your life? Because being a disciple of Jesus is loving God with everything you have by obeying him with all of your heart. You cannot divorce the the two. And I love what Jesus says here. He says you are to love your neighbor as yourself. And see, we have split evangelism and discipleship as if they're separated and that sharing your faith is only for a select few, and discipleship is for another select few. But for Jesus, this is all rolled up into one. Jesus doesn't seem concerned with making converts. He's concerned with making disciples. And healthy disciples multiply. But then that begs the question, if we know what a disciple is and how is a disciple made or multiply? And the simple answer, guys, Jesus is not trying to confuse us, is by going. He says, go and make disciples. And you know what's incredible about this word in the Greek is that I did a little bit of study this week and it's used in a lot of different places and there's a lot of different translations for it. Sometimes it's to bring, sometimes it's to carry, sometimes it's as you go. As you go, make disciples. As you go about your life, make disciples. I think sometimes we get really overwhelmed with this idea of sharing our faith or going and make disciples because we think that that means doing something out of the ordinary. But Jesus is simply saying, as you go about your life, make disciples. Disciples, we don't have to be Billy Graham. We don't have to be called to go to Africa to make disciples. We can make disciples as we go. Can I just say this? I love this church. I love this church with everything that I have. And I love this church because I get a front row seat to discipleship every single day. One of my favorite stories of discipleship in our church involves one of our elders named Don. He's going to be blushing that I'm even telling this story. And another friend here, some of you guys know, his name is Andrew. 
And a few years ago, before COVID, maybe it was right before COVID or right at the beginning of COVID, Don was having this guy named Andrew come over to his house and do some carpentry work. And it took a few days. And over those few days, Don was asking him some questions about his life and getting to know him and speaking life into his life. And eventually it was getting near Easter time. And so Don had the, the courage to ask him if him and his family wanted to come to Easter at Movement Church. They weren't believers And so they came to Easter at Movement Church, and something must have intrigued Andrew at that time in that service, so he started coming back to church, and I started meeting with Andrew every once in a while, and I could tell, like, I'm like, you're coming to church, and you're hearing what we're saying every single Sunday, right? And he he hadn't put his faith in Jesus yet. He hadn't put his faith in Jesus, but God, through his spirit, just started chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. Conversation after conversation with Don was had. Time after time, he would come in on Sunday mornings and worship and be a part of this and hear. And eventually, Andrew gave his life to Christ. Yeah. Andrew, if you're here, I love you. And then Andrew's wife gave her life to Christ. And then over COVID, we couldn't have baptisms here, so Andrew was baptized in Don's pool. And then Andrew began to read the scriptures. His heart was just on fire for Jesus. And then after he read the scriptures, he's like, I want to read through the Bible all the way through. So Andrew read through the Bible all the way through. And then all of a sudden, Andrew was helping lead a movement group. And he was helping other guys read through the Bible all the way through for the first time. And I'm going, wow, can you believe it, God? Look at what you're doing in Andrew's life. And all it took was Don to make a disciple as he went. See, discipleship is not that hard. And I love what Andrew said this week. I texted him. I said, is there anything else you want me to tell about this story? Is there any detail that I'm leaving out? And the words that he said was this. He texted me how Don, even in his own personal struggles, still led me to know Jesus. Amen. Don is an elder at this church. He's not perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Jesus doesn't expect you to be perfect because you're not making a disciple of you. You're making a disciple of him. And I can just imagine, (laughs) Matthew puts in here, some of them doubted because he wants us to know that they're just like us. And you can make disciples too. As you play pickup basketball, make disciples. As you meet a coworker for a beer after work, make disciples. As you drive your kids home from soccer in the minivan, make disciples. As you're cooking your kids' dinner, make them disciples of Jesus as you go. The first time I heard about the life-transforming message of Jesus, I was in a hot tub with my younger brother, and we hadn't spoken for a year. As you go, make disciples. And God can certainly use people being sent over to Africa. God used Mallory and I, I hope, coming here to Columbus. But for most of us, I think Jesus is just inviting us to stay in our lane and make disciples right where we're at in our lane. Because how does Jesus make disciples? He invites his disciples into his rhythms, his meals, his work, his rest. Jesus 
is inviting us to just do life with him. So make disciples as you go. And that's why when Jesus says, and love your neighbor as yourself, he means it. He means your neighbor. Because a neighbor is someone who is doing life next to you. Who's doing life next to you? Love them. Because the greatest commandment leads to the great commission. Because to truly love God is to share that love with others. And to truly love your neighbor is to share the one thing that they need most in their life. So the greatest commandment always leads to the great commission where we make disciples. Who should you love? Your neighbor. Who should you share Jesus with? Your neighbor. Do you see the brilliance of Jesus? It's vague enough that it doesn't put any limitations on it, but it's specific enough that it just means those in proximity to you. You don't have to be Billy Graham. You can just be you and share Jesus with those doing life next to you. And so what is it to make a disciple? To make a disciple is to share Jesus as you go about life with those doing life next to you. That's it. A part of the reason I think that we don't share our faith is because there's this great misconception that we are the hero, that we have something wonderful to give people from our self. And if that's the case, what a shame, because we all walk around with imposter syndrome already. You're telling me I gotta be God now? You're telling me I gotta do all these things? I can't do all these things. But if you just start with your neighbor, you can do that. And that's why Billy Graham was right when he said, if you wanna evangelize the world, you start with one person at a time. So if we're gonna make disciples, we need to teach others to obey Jesus. And I wanna introduce us really quickly to a passage that Jesus is actually quoting when he quotes about the greatest commandments. It's in Deuteronomy 6, and it's Moses teaching the Israelites how to do family discipleship. And he says this, hear and listen, O Israel. And that word hear means obey The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. And then look at the application. Impress them on your children. Are you doing that? Talk about them when you sit at home. Are you doing that? And when you walk along the road or you're driving the Sienna or when you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads, write them on your door frames of your houses and your gates. Do you see how mundane these descriptors are? This isn't rocket science. Talk about Jesus when you sit down. Talk about Jesus when you get up. Talk about him when you're driving in the minivan, when you're walking around the road, when you're talking to your coworkers. Make disciples. It's in the ordinary moments that spectacular things are built and to something spectacular. And it's the ordinary moments over time with ordinary people that make 
disciples. And there are mountaintop experiences. Heck, Jesus is here on the mountain with his disciples. But he will send them into a world to do normal ministry to a world that will reject them, spit on them, and not receive them just as Jesus wasn't received. So you got to know this. Healthy disciples multiply. You know, there's a pastor that I love that told this story about this young, successful man that was in his church. He loved God with everything that he had, but he was so overwhelmed and he was so burdened. He would come in for counseling and every time that he would come in for counseling, he would say the same thing. I just don't feel like I'm doing enough for God. Every time I go home, I don't feel like I'm sharing my faith enough. I don't feel like I'm discipling people enough. I don't feel like I'm, evan- I'm being evangelistic enough. And so after a few weeks of having him pour his heart out, the pastor did a really good job of just listening. And eventually, eventually he said, can I stop you for a second? He said, as for evangelism, this is what I want you to know. You don't have to do it. You don't have to go make disciples. You don't have to share your faith. And the guy said, what? You're a pastor? And you're telling me this? He said, you don't have to do those things. He said, what do you mean? He said, do you know the truth of the gospel that no matter what you do, God's love for you doesn't change? And he said you could literally, physically see the penny drop from his head to his heart. And this peace washed over his body. And the pastor said in the next three months, he brought more people to church. He brought more people to faith than the last five years combined because he finally saw that the call to discipleship's not about you. It's not about you. It's about him. The burden isn't on you. It's on him. The gospel is the good news that while Jesus says all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me in this passage, that he comes and he willingly gives that authority up. Why? For us, he becomes a servant. He becomes a little, tiny, humble human being. God puts on a human body to become like us, to die for us. And then he resurrects from the grave, defeating sin and death forever. Not you. Who wouldn't want that news? Because that's what discipleship is about. It's pointing people to that God and that Jesus that loves us that much that even if you never share your faith again, his love for you doesn't change. And I know some of you, I'm looking at your faces. When I first said that, some of you scowl because you don't believe it. You think it's still about you. It's not about you. And then in that freedom, do you see how freeing that is? It just makes my heart want to run out these doors and make disciples. Because I'm not earning God's love. He's already given it to me in Jesus. Do you see how that works? And so that is our call. Because we won't share our faith 
And we won't go and make disciples until we see how far Jesus went to make you and I one of his. You see that? You got to see that. That's got to be the motivation of your heart, which is why, and we are going to close here, Jesus ends with some of the most comforting words in all of scripture. He says, be sure of this. Be sure of this. And what does he say? I am with you until the end of the age. I am with you to forgive you. I am with you to guide you. I am with you to strengthen you. I am with you in life. I am with you in death. And I am with you when people accept you in my name. And I am with you when they reject you. So that if you are ever humiliated for the name of Christ, that you would know he was first humiliated for you. That if people ever reject you when you share your faith, he was rejected first. That if people don't like you because you're a Christian, they didn't like him first. He is with you. And we need to know that if we're going to be healthy disciples. And if we're healthy disciples, we will multiply. And then healthy disciples will turn into healthy leaders and healthy leaders into healthy small groups and small groups into churches and churches into nations until at the end, Jesus says, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth at the foot of the cross before Christ, period. Let me pray and then I have a quick application for you guys. Father God, we are in desperate need of your grace every day. We don't make disciples as we should and yet you love us and you call us to do it anyway. And Lord, I pray that the burden would be lifted off our shoulders this morning, that we would know that discipleship is not something that we do so that you would love us, but because you have already loved us, we go make disciples of you and we share that love with others, Lord. So I pray that as we continue about our morning that we would think about those in our life, our neighbors, those doing life next to us that we need to share our faith with and I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, quick application. We're going to have just a little 90-second clock on the screen, and we're going to have a few little details. Uh, We thought before we left to make something super practical for you guys. So we want you to go on your phone, pull out your phone, pray about it, think about those people that are doing life next to you, and we want you to write down a couple names of people you want to pray for, you want to share your faith with, and then we want you to set a reminder on your phone every Tuesday, every Wednesday, whatever, on on a regular rhythm that that would pop up and that you would either text that person or pray for that person and you would do the, the beginning steps of building a relationship, having, taking questions from that person. And that way, it's just a regular rhythm in your life through your phone. And so we're going to put 90 seconds up there, counting down, and we want you to do that. And, uh, and I truly believe that if we start doing this as a church, this place is going to be so overwhelmed that I, I pray that... that when we get to our building, it's like, oh my gosh, thank God we have a building because we don't have any space anymore in this place. Not because Movement Church is great, but because Jesus is great. Amen? All right, let's go do that. Thanks for listening to the Movement Church podcast. 
Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We hope wherever you are, this message encourages you to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Movement Church, including attending a worship experience, getting connected, or to give online, please visit movementcolumbus.com.